0: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very Poorly Made podcast... relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. How are you folks? Welcome to the Very Poorly Made Police Memes Podcast. I am your host, Lenny. I hope this podcast finds you well. This week, I have a very special podcast for you. It is the Law Odyssey 2.0 with my good friend, Silent Bob. The good news is there's going to be a Law Odyssey 2.5 because we recorded so much, I decided to split it in two. I think you guys will really like this podcast. A lot of good topics, a lot of good conversation, a lot of dumb stuff too. It was a lot of fun to make. Before we get into everything, I got to give a big thanks to our friends over at OfficerPrivacy.com. They're a big part of the Poorly Made Police Memes podcast. You hear about them every Sunday. In fact, a couple Sundays ago, you heard from Pete James, who is the founder of Officer Privacy, 25 year cop, cop's cop, good guy. Look, the, uh, the war on cops, despite everything going on, is still continuing. The president of the United States just signed an executive order because Blue Man is bad. It continues. Make your life easier. Make sure your personal information is not online. You don't want to be in one of these situations where you're involved in some critical incident and you're doxxed and you have people at your door and you have to move. Just on this podcast, we've heard several stories about that. We heard about that from Christina Dages. We heard about that from Sergeant John Mattingly. This is something that could happen to you. So you may be asking yourself, what can OfficerPrivacy.com do to help? OfficerPrivacy.com has two ways to take your privacy back. You can do it yourself. Officer Privacy created a custom, easy-to-use software program, so you can quickly navigate through the top 30 people search sites and delete your information. They have instructions for each and every site and include a simple way to keep track of it all. They provide access-free for 14 days. Plenty of time to go through and remove your information. Or you sign up with a premium service like I have. They do everything for you. It's a simple process. Fill out a form. Boom. Done. Over with. And now I'm protected. I, in fact, the other day I, I Googled myself. I'm a ghost. I'm not there. It's awesome. So I love it. Premium service, you sign up, and their staff of current and former U.S.-based law enforcement officers will remove you from the top 30 people search sites, and then they monitor it for you. you got nothing to worry about. So again, check out officerprivacy.com. All right. Without any further ado, let's play a little music for you. And I got another band, as always, with a law enforcement member. This week, we have up Enceladus, which I might have said right. We'll be right back with Silent rumors Bob. On
1: the assembly line, rumors surfaced that the military was test flying recovered alien craft <sighs> at a secret government base known as Area 51.
0: And now for his 69th, probably, appearance on the Very Poorly Made Police Memes podcast, the man, the myth, the compulsive masturbator, Silent Bob. How are you, buddy? (laughs) Good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I owe you an apology. I can't wait to find out where this is going. We fucked up a long time ago, long, long ago, when I first invited you to my Digital Dungeon, and uh, we were coming up with a name. I don't know why we settled on Silent Bob. That was a long time ago. I don't quite remember. Why the fuck isn't your name Saul? Oh yeah, we fucked that up. That would
2: probably been better. I know why it was Silent Bob though. Why was it? Remind me, because I don't. That was a long time ago. Well, because I am in my basement and up on my shelf, I have a Silent Bob autographed figure right in front of me, and it's just the first thing I saw.
0: I am very jealous that you
2: met Kevin Smith. I didn't meet him. I just ordered it.
0: Does that even count?
2: No, I mean, not that's really. That's of cheating. They it also a... was not that expensive, <laughs> if that tells you anything about his fan base. but
0: Well, I mean, there's poor guys that spend a lot of time in their basement making podcasts, apparently. I know right as I was leaving, there was a pop-up of the, uh, the burger place that's in all... What the hell is the burger place in all those movies? The... Uh... They, oh, they have the moo thing. Yeah, and I was, it was Movies? right as I, yeah, yes, 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 yes. And I was going to, I was going to go, but we were moving and I was like, that's just like not cool for me to, you know, like take off for a couple hours while we're packing a truck. But I definitely wanted to experience that. Well, anyway, the reason you're, uh, you're here today is we needed to talk about the law because I've come to learn that the cops don't really understand it which is problematic. That sounds like kind of a dick thing to say. And I have to apologize straight up. I'm drunk and in a mood, so this should be fun.
2: (laughs) Well, no. And it's, I mean, to make you feel a little better, here's the problem. Trial lawyers understand mostly rules of evidence, court procedure, things of that nature fairly well, but even a lot of trial lawyers get it wrong. Lawyers who don't do courtroom stuff often get it wrong judges rarely understand hearsay they get it wrong a lot it's just it's a big fat math so i've definitely run into a lot of cops who don't understand the court analysis of something versus the cop analysis of something if that makes sense
0: yeah and it, it kind of sucks because it's kind of all over the place and it changes a lot it changes very frequently and not to get on my soapbox but i found nothing more frustrating okay that's why there's a lot of things that are frustrating, but. It always frustrated me when guys were like, ah, no, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Or guys didn't take the time to understand what their job is. And look, it's your fucking job. Like you are a cop. You need to understand case law. You know, this can't be one of those things like, oh, I learned whatever I learned in the academy and that's it. Like I, you know, we make a big deal about being fit. I totally agree with that. As a fat guy, I don't think there should be fat cops. We make a big deal about, you know, being a good shot, we make a good deal, big deal about you know defensive tactics. Very rarely in that discussion do we have a conversation about guys understanding basic case law. And I'm even talking about: Do you know the authority you have to make a traffic stop? Do you under even understand that? Which it just boggles my mind sometimes. And not to go way off into a tangent, but when I worked for street cop last summer, I would help him out get messages and stuff, and it would boggled my mind very basic police principles that guys were sending messages about because they didn't know which to me is probably a failure on their administration on their department on their academy for not training up their guys but I mean like super basic stuff so I always relish the opportunities to kind of help out with that and before we go too crazy this is not like fucking legal advice. So don't go to your lieutenant and say, Hey, I listened to the poorly made police memes podcast and some guy in his basement told me what to do. Please God don't do that. I, we're just trying to kind of help people out a little bit and maybe give some people some ideas about where to look and start the research. Is that fair?
2: Silent Bob. Saul, I, I would completely agree with that. And I think the problem is that this obviously gets backburnered a lot where, you know, the brass, feeds you something on power dms and you sign it and there's your update
0: oh god did you just say power dms
2: i did I'm, just for you
0: i am absolutely fucking triggered by that that is very really <laughs> offensive and i'm upset about that but before we get into the meat of this podcast which is a call-in episode so we'll see if uh, people call in we need to we need to start a little slow here Apparently, it snowed in Colorado, according to my and this is this will come out in a couple of weeks. But according to my Facebook news feed, it snowed in Colorado and people were very surprised by
2: that. Yeah, it's pure mayhem. Did you know it snows in Colorado? I, I did usually not, you know, mid to late May.
0: It does, too. How many Rockies games have been snowed out in May? Happens all the time. That's fair. It was a lot, though that's not what she said to me ever in my life but we got out of that those do you have a poop story to tell me about what happened to you in the
2: last couple days with all the snow in your anus (laughs) so we uh i was up in the mountains and got like two plus feet of snow above my knees but it turns out while we were up in the mountains, all the trees everywhere around where I live, everybody's trees came down, branches came down, and I'm talking big branches. So we have a child who is in college who was at home and sending us photos. So we came home early because there were ginormous branches all over my driveway, and still so they down. were at
0: least six inches
2: long. Yeah, at least. Okay. Um. And so there's a couple still dangling over my driveway that I can't get off. But, um, so we came home to get all that cleaned up. So yesterday I'm out there all macho covered in sawdust from busting out my chainsaw, trying to work my way through all this wood so that we can get our driveway back opened up again. And I'm covered in sawdust and sweating and everything else. And then all of a sudden without any warning that like not even bubble guts, just the, that little twinge you get where you're like, this is going to happen now. And there was no warning whatsoever. So I booked to go inside, but I'm covered in sawdust and deathly afraid of my wife and not wanting to get sawdust freaking everywhere. So I'm trying to kick off my shoes and Brush off as much sawdust as I can to beeline it inside. Let's just say I made it with a very, very close call with zero time to spare.
0: I'm really proud of you that you made it, and really, I want to thank you for your service for that. Thank you been, very much. You did a great I've been keegling a lot, which I
2: didn't do for you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, good work, buddy. I know that. Did you get like the little? Little dangle balls that you can put in your butt and kind of squeeze them and stuff, or that's like no. next level kegling. Did you it call it kegling? By the way, flex. you called it
2: kegling. It's kegling, I thought it was kegling. Is it keggling?
0: I don't know. We're asking the wrong guy for how to pronounce shit, so what maybe we should defer to whatever you say because I'm an idiot.
2: I thought I'd always heard kegling, but then I have no idea where I would have freaking heard that either. Reddit, Pornhub, I don't know. Never been on Reddit. I don't even know what Reddit is. You've never been on Reddit, not, not no, one time. I no, I don't. I honestly don't even know what it is. I've heard you refer to it. No clue what it is.
0: It's the worst place on the internet. The worst and the best place on the internet. It's. I've heard that it's kind of the uh, the gateway to the dark web, but I don't know if that's true.
2: All is I it know, people just like commenting on each other, or I, I honestly no clue. Reddit is, is just like any other
0: social media platform. It's basically, they're all, there's a different sub for everything. Like if you like Metallica, there's a Metallica subreddit. There might be like 800. If you like big titty goth girls, there's a subreddit for that. If you like milfs, there's a subreddit for that. If you like memes, there's a subreddit for that. If you like poorly made police memes, there's a subreddit for that. There's a subreddit for everything. And that's, kind of where all the interaction takes place i know people have profiles and stuff and you can follow people's profiles but reddit like i said is the worst and the best place on the internet you can find anything there anything you're looking for yeah i'll i'll tell you one thing i used it for is i didn't know what the price of propane and propane accessories
2: are oh that's right
0: yeah i got on the uh the subreddit for propane and i learned that i wasn't getting shafted So. There is a subreddit for everything, whether you want, you know what, we could, we're just going to leave that there, but I I feel like (laughs) Reddit is, Reddit is a wonderful and dangerous place. Now,
2: you know a little bit more about Reddit. Sweet. If I ever want to end up on a weird watch list, that's where I'm going.
0: I'm pretty sure I was on that before, but maybe that elevated my status on the watch list. Now, speaking of Colorado, since we were talking about Reddit. Well, this is a bad segue because I meant to bring it up with the snow, but I wanted to talk about the dear, dear governor King Polis in Colorado. He's very near and dear to my heart. He's a wonderful man who cares deeply about the police. You know, he's not, you know, a guy that moved to the state with money from California and has interests that uh, don't align with most of the population or anything like that. But he's a really great guy, and I think he'll tell you the same thing. Anyway, one of my friends from Colorado shared a post from Governor Polis. Colorado is in the top 10 of best states for police officers. And it gave a a link for a study from Wallet Hub. I clicked on the study. Nowhere in the study did they ask cops how they felt about being a police officer in the state. Basically, statistics, which you can manipulate numbers any way you want. But the top 10 places to be a cop, according to liberal propaganda. One, Connecticut. I've never been. I can't say, but I did get a message from somebody when I posted this said, "Nope, Connecticut sucks. California. Man, there's a lot of cops that are not moving to Texas and Florida from California. So that has to be a mistake. I almost spit out my
2: coffee when I saw that one.
0: Illinois District of Columbia. They love their cops there and the cops really love being policed there. Maryland. Again, I don't know any better, but I got a message from a guy that said, nope, Maryland sucks. Mass. Because I can't say Massachusetts. Uh, I got a message from another guy that works there. He said, yeah, our department's down 20%. Yep. Things are going good there. Minnesota.
2: Yeah, Nothing they're... ever goes wrong there for law enforcement. No, they haven't
0: had any big incidents. Washington. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never heard
2: of Seattle. Okay. I heard they hug a lot in Portland. That's all I know. That's a different state. Oh. Oh. I did jump one over. Same thing to me, though. Same place. They're kind of blend. Yeah.
0: Number nine is uh, the formerly great Colorado. And then we have, rounding up the list, Ohio, which I know a lot of uh, Cleveland and Columbus officers really like being police officers in that state. So thank you, Governor Polis, for letting everyone know how much people love to be police officers in these states especially in Colorado, because it's not like you ordered an investigation of officers that had already been cleared by the DA and then told the news media you hope they got charged because you really care about being fair and impartial and you're a really good governor. I can't believe I moved. I can't believe all my friends have left. I can't believe no one wants to be a cop in Colorado. Thank you, Governor Polis, for being such a great king of Colorado. I feel a lot better now.
2: <laughs> At least you got that off your chest.
0: Mm-hmm. Really great guy. Yeah, I uh, I got a lot of messages. I posted that in my story. And I apologize, this this podcast is going to come out in a couple weeks. But, you know, everybody's like, yeah, I'm a cop here. It fucking sucks. So there you have it. it turns out, and, and I read through the study, and it was like compiled by a professor here, a professor here. Nobody asked a
2: fucking cop how it actually is to be a cop in those states. So I, I don't know if we ever talked about this. I got enraged. This was months ago. There was a panel on police reform. And I went through and looked at who was on it. And it was a few, you know, there was like a district court judge, a county court judge, somebody who worked at the governor's office and a couple other policy positions And everybody was represented on this panel that was for the Bar Association. So it was being presented to all lawyers as a continuing legal education course. And I'm sitting there looking at it and the only people who were not represented in any way, shape or form on a panel about police reform were cops. Not a single person with any law enforcement experience whatsoever was on that panel. And my pet peeve personally is, you know, if you used to be in DA or an ex-DA and you refer to yourself as law enforcement, you're going to get a pretty hard eye roll from this guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, just imagine it. I this is something like one of my pet peeves as far as cops go is cops sometimes act like we're a protected class. Uh, not quite. I get where people are coming from, but I, I just I can't roll with that. It's not my thing. But Could you imagine if there was some panel about reform for whatever ethnic or religious group and none of the members from that group were in that? Could you fucking
2: imagine? Well, let's, I mean, make it even simpler. And this is what drives me nuts. We live in a world where we need to have balanced discussions and I want to hear different viewpoints. I don't want people who just. I don't want an echo chamber where you're just going to tell me what I know. Give me a different viewpoint because sometimes I'll go, oh, I might not agree with everything you say, but you had me part way there. Let's talk about this aspect. But it's like reforming kitchens without having a chef on the panel. Like, I want to know from somebody who's in there every day doing the work what they think. It's just it's obnoxious to me that we're so afraid of opinions from the other side that We don't even listen. It, it drives me absolutely crazy. And I was less than pleased that they did that. Um, But it's the way it goes, right? Everybody. It's amazing how many police experts there are that have never done a single second of police work or been on a ride along. (laughs) Yeah. Even the most basic things, they have no freaking clue. Yeah. It's, it's super frustrating that this, profession
0: which is you know it's the lowest level of government but it's most visible level of government you have the experts that are clearly not i don't know it's we could probably go on like a four hour tangent about that i missed a joke and i have to go back to it so (laughs) i apologize so going back to these states where the experts were telling us that you know, these are the top 10 states to be a cop, which I think Iowa, which like was way down the list. Now, I, I think there's an argument to be made. Maybe maybe these top 10 places, they pay a lot of money. I left a high paying job. OK, I left a fucking super high paying job to get the fuck out of there because the money was not worth it. Some people it is. And I, I get it. I respect it. Everybody's got to do their own thing. But one guy sent me a message. He's like, hey, I'm a cop in Washington. And, you know, we're making over 100K a year and yet really sucks. But we get paid a lot to deal with the bullshit. And my response to him was I would rather live in a cardboard box than be a cop in Washington.
2: He did not respond back to that. Well, I mean, everybody's <laughs> got to make their own choice. If, that's, oh, yeah. if you're cool dealing with it, you have more patience than I have. There's just something hard about knowing you're working for a government that will sell you out the second they have the opportunity to do it. And not only are they wanting you to make a mistake, they're rooting for it to happen. And that's kind of a big difference in a problem where I don't know how anybody puts up with that.
0: Yeah. And again, like you said, to each their own, everybody has that choice to make it. And, and to be honest, some people have a bigger cup, if that makes any sense, which of course, I'm drunk and I'm going to make a penis joke, but maybe my cup was smaller and it got full quicker than some other people were other people, you know, maybe, maybe I just got a little solo cup. Maybe these other guys, they have a pint glass or maybe they have a fucking gallon jug and they can just deal with more shit. I respect that. All of us are different and have different for lack of a better word, mental capabilities to deal with some of the shit. You know, I got friends that are still fucking out there. They're miserable, but, they're like, yeah, I can I can suffer through the next five years until I can retire. Good for them. And if I was only five years away, maybe I would have. But I, I had a lot of time. So, I, you know, I was trying to crack a joke with this guy about being in Washington. But I mean, hell, more power to him if they can do it. But I, I know I couldn't.
2: Yeah, it I have a, what I lovingly call a 10 year theory and anybody out there, feel free to test this because I'm pretty sure it holds accurate plus or minus about a year. I have a theory that anybody 10 years into a career is looking to change or find something different to do because that's about the amount of time that your bullshit threshold gets hit, right? You're All the shine has worn off of it being new. You're really starting to understand the gig. You understand the gap between the people actually doing the work and what brass is concerned about or management or whoever's above you. So I always ask people who've been in a job for about 10 years, if they've thought about switching and almost to a person, everybody has. When I was a 10-year lawyer, if I could have made as much digging ditches, I would have done it in a heartbeat. I was beyond over it. And then it kind of ebbs and flows and the fever breaks for a little while. But because I think you made it as long as a cop as i did the initial swing as a public defender and that was god i haven't done that in 12 years and you couldn't pay me enough money still to go back to doing that
0: yeah i think that kind of goes to a bigger picture i think the days of and again there may be some people that can do it but the days of working 40 years at the same job is done that's just not a thing anymore i think people strive for that change where i don't know I don't know what was going on in like 1970 where guys are like, ah, whatever. I'll just do another 20 years. It's not a big deal. Maybe they drank more. I don't know. That could have been.
2: And they had kick-ass pensions.
0: Yeah. That's another part of it too. That, that shit doesn't exist anymore. But I, I can tell you for me personally, I've, I've done that. Like I did the mall security thing for not quite 10 years and not all of it was management. I started pretty down low, but at the end I was about 10 years. I was like, I cannot fucking do this. This sucks. Which was, a perfect segue into my policing career. And then, you know, I was, unfortunately, maybe everything hit at the, at the same time where I was kind of hitting that that rut. And then 2020 happened and that was just enough for me. I, I don't know, who knows? And I was talking to one of my buddies, you know, I at the time I left, I'd put in for a investigator position and a rookie got it. And that burned me. And I'm not saying he didn't <laughs> deserve it, but it didn't help, you know what I mean? Like I, I told him, I was like, dude, if I already got that spot, I'd probably still be there. Because it would have been enough of a change for me to maybe get reinvigorated, you know, and so now I'm going to have a bunch of people like, oh, that's why you make those memes make fun of rookies getting special assignments. Hey, man, if they deserve it, they deserve it. You know, that's not my call to make. It's just it's interesting when they you know, tell people to apply and then they don't do interviews and they pick certain people for different reasons. And I'm not going to go any more into that. But again, I don't, I don't know the circumstance, but don't open, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before, don't fucking open a spot up, like just put the person in it. I don't even want to know about it. You know what I mean? Don't give me that ounce of hope that I could get it, but you already know who's going to get the spot. Why would you fucking do interviews? It drives me. nuts.
2: yeah. And we talked about it during the Odyssey part one. It, it cracks me up and I want, whether it's government working on behalf of like the public defender's office on behalf of those accused of committing a crime or cops or any other government agency or even giant corporations i've worked for all this stuff parallels and it's the same in any place like the stuff i see and laugh about now uh, in law enforcement is the same dynamic that we had at the public defender's office that burned me out it was the same stuff it's like the golden child who figures out how to weasel themselves into a special assignment so they can work less and it never goes to the person that's most qualified. It goes to the person who kisses the most ass or yeah, fits some other need at the time. It's just, it's all obnoxious, but it's everywhere. Like it's, it's just impossible to get away from that. Yeah.
0: And harping back on something I talked on the podcast a couple months ago is the law enforcement bubble. Like we think we're the only group of people that has marital problems. We think we're the only group of people that has bad supervision. We think it's because we put ourselves in this fucking bubble where we don't interact with other (laughs) every time (laughs) it comes up, it fucking drives me nuts, but we don't interact with different folks. And so when this stuff happens to us, we're like, Oh, this is, this is only cops have to deal with the shit. It's not true. Infidelity is like a fucking thing in our society. Look, listen to fucking popular music everybody's fucking somebody i'm not because i'm a loyal husband but and you too buddy but everybody or i mean that one time between me and you but we won't talk about that but other than that but other than that love love is love love is love so again the law enforcement bubble where we don't think anything exists except for in law enforcement and what do you mean other people cheat people have bad bosses it is kind of silly sometimes for sure
2: I it's amazing the similarities between government work on the public defender side and law enforcement, like all the taking away the actual day-to-day job of what you're doing, all the, the social in-house and exterior issues are virtually identical. And it cracks me up all the time.
0: Yep. It's fucking insane. And now we're saying it and the millions of people that listen to the podcast will know it. That's why you have to tell, other people about it did i say it right i think i did <laughs> uh, that's where you got to tell other other people about it i swear to god i only do it on the podcast otherwise i, I was say gonna say right. you're
2: gonna give me a complex i've never had a problem saying other uh, i have such a complex with it now it's insane
0: but i don't even know what we're fucking talking about you know what we're gonna it's a perfect tr- time to transition to other things <laughs> You know what? That could be the poorly made police memes drinking game. Is if you're listening to the podcast, and if I mispronounce other, you got to take a shot. Yeah, people are gonna be hammered. Would fucking die. It would be awesome. Uh, Speaking of being hammered, I really like drinking Bush Light and mowing my yard. And now they have these Bush Light for the farm ones that have little fucking John Deere tractors on them. And I feel like I'm helping farmers every time
2: I get drunk and mow my lawn. Okay, this is, I'm going to hell, and if my wife ever listens to this, so my wife's stepdad died a few years ago, and we went back for the funeral, and her mom, he was huge into John Deere, so she had a John Deere tractor embroidered on the inside of the casket, and I leaned over to my wife during the funeral, and I was like, he can't see it. (laughs) <laughs> which you know is what? why i'll be in the third ring of hell the
0: it's the thought that matters man that's all it is uh, i i put a poll up on facebook today or on instagram today if i'm if because i own a john Deere mower which is like 20 years old am i allowed to wear a john Deere hat because i went into the local farm store getting a piece of fence which makes me sound like a farmer but it's just my dogs are assholes and it all qualifies dogs. you to wear a john Deere hat Thank you, because I saw a John Deere hat and I thought about buying it, but I'm like, is that cultural appropriation to, to, to buy a John Deere hat and a John Deere shirt? So I, I think I'm officially going to have a Sunday uniform of my John Deere hat and John Deere shirt. Why I get shit-faced and mow my lawn?
2: I have a John Deere shirt somewhere because I have – I said I come from a long line of trailer dwellers and hillbillies and farmers. So I've got a cousin who is big into – case tractors and we got into some fake fight ones because I just picked John Deere because it's the only one I knew um, and he was getting really mad about saying that case are better tractors than John Deere so I bought a John Deere shirt just to wear out there the next time I saw them and make them super grumpy because it's a fight that I really don't even care a little bit about but they get moody about their tractors they do well case had a I think
0: they manufactured tractors in uh, grand island nebraska and i used to live there which is this is fucking riveting conversation people are like tell us about the law and we're talking about fucking tractors well you know what fuck you we're gonna talk about tractors but anyway uh yeah the case was a big thing in grand island and i heard you could tour it and it was actually really fucking cool to see them
2: shit out the tractors i guess they could shit out like a tractor every hour which is pretty amazing i always wanted to drive a big tractor i've never gotten to do it i've never had a riding lawnmower either and i always wanted one
0: moving out here, it became a necessity because it took me like the first time I mowed my lawn with the uh, the one I brought from Colorado, the old push mower that I got from Walmart. It took a really, really, really long time. And as uh, as it would be, I fucking came across a garage sale and guy was selling one for like 200 bucks. And I got my my John Deere, which now I can wear John Deere shit. So maybe I'll just get a case shirt to wear with my John Deere thing.
2: Oh, now you're going to blow people's
0: minds. Or maybe I'll get both. Maybe I'll have a case hat in a John Deere shirt or vice versa, just to like make the farmers angry. Cause I wonder if there's, you know, like in the inner cities, you have the gangs, you know, the Crips and the bloods, maybe you have the deers and the cases out in Iowa. I don't know.
2: Well, you can only wear the hat because every true Midwesterner knows you've got a mow with a beer in one hand, some like a stalk of grain hanging out your lip and you got to be topless. That's how you mow.
0: I, I just have to say, I don't think I could mow top. I mean, the jiggle would just probably make people sick. You well, know, yeah, to but you gotta by. jiggle it just a little bit. Jiggles for justice. Um, speaking <laughs> speaking of beer, by the way, I have to give a little shout out. Some beer arrived somehow at my house from Zigmeister Brewing Company out in New Jersey. And this is the herdsman I'm drinking right now. It's fucking fantastic, by the way. So if you're in New Jersey. Go buy
2: some of this beer. It's awesome. Done with your letter Kenny beer.
0: I'm not done with my letter Kenny beer. I have four left and my little brother might be coming out soon. And he's a big letter Kenny guy. And I feel obligated to save some for him. So I'm going to try not to drink it until he comes out. Cause I feel like that's a good, to be a good brother. I'm trying to be a good brother and I'm trying not to even look at it. So I've been drinking the lattes on the side. a boy. Well, I guess to segue a little bit away from beers, there's a case that's I don't know if everyone knows about it. And I would honestly suggest you do a little bit of research on it. It's a, a case out of Huntsville, Alabama. The officer's name is Ben Darby and he is in jail for 25 years for shooting. I've kind of followed the case for a while and he got convicted, I think, last year. And I've listened to some podcasts and that's, that's kind of like I, I mentioned in the beginning was kind of the catalyst of, of getting Bob back on here because I heard some stuff in these podcasts and I was just like, God, we, we got to do better than this because I think some of the information coming out doesn't make cops look good because there's not a clear understanding of what hearsay is and some of these other court procedures. And I'm kind of on I'm kind of in this weird place where. I don't know if people consider me like a social media personality. I guess I am. I I don't really think it's my place to always come in and comment about things because a lot of the time when people come in and comment about things, they don't have all the facts. And so I'm kind of hesitant to do that. And occasionally I do. And occasionally I make memes about things and we don't always all know everything. And I, I hope anything that you learn from this podcast or listening to me is I try to be as impartial as possible the starby case i was interested to hear what his wife had to say and she's been kind of doing the rounds and i don't think the guy needs to be sitting in 20 in jail for 25 years but i i have an issue with there's a lot of people saying oh he didn't do anything wrong i I don't think objectively you can look at that case and say oh he did everything right like and it's a really complex case as far as You know, his his department said he did nothing wrong. And the D.A. said he he did and offered him a deal with no time and he didn't take it. Now he's in for 25 years. So there's a lot to it. I encourage everyone to draw their own conclusion from it. I I may not be right. You might not think I'm right. And that's okay. But I just I just kind of take issue with the tactics from the initial officers and from Officer Darby. And I don't like that. There's no, I'm not a big fan that there's no acknowledgement of something was done wrong. There clearly was something done wrong, in my opinion. Should a guy be in jail for 25 years? No, he shouldn't. Look look at all the crime that goes on and these guys fucking shoot cops, do all kinds of crazy shit, kill kids, and they're out in 5, 10 years. But you have a guy that lived a good life, got hired as a cop, had to stay clean, makes, I'm going to call it a mistake on the job a tactical mistake and is in jail for 25 years like go fuck yourself that's not right either but i, I think is the law enforcement community could probably do a little bit better as far as i don't know man I, and i'm kind of rambling now but there's this um everybody says oh you guys just stand up for each other no matter what in the blue line or whatever I think all of us in this job or that have been in the job realize that's not true is people fucking talk shit about each other all the time. But to me, this is one of those cases where I see a lot of guys is kind of conforming to like, Oh, he did nothing wrong. I would have done the same thing. Would you, would you have done the same thing? I don't know. So you guys take that as you will. You guys can look into that. But what I really wanted to get out of that, out of this that I wanted to express is just maybe a better understanding of court procedures. Bob, this is why you're here today. The one thing that really stood out in my mind, listening to some of these podcasts about this and and reading comments on the internet is there was a part of this case where a witness wasn't allowed because of hearsay. And I don't think folks really understand what hearsay is. Could you explain to the millions of people out there what hearsay is?
2: So hearsay in its very basic form is this. It's an out-of-court statement being offered for the truth of the matter asserted. So typical lawyer speak, what the hell does that mean? Um, The hearsay rules, there's, there's two different hearsay rules in the rules of evidence and So hearsay is an out of court statement being offered for the truth. And then there are a bunch of exceptions to the hearsay rule. And lawyers get hearsay wrong all the time. Judges, I've been in quite a few trials where judges get it wrong. Um, It's not as easy as it sounds or cut and dry. So if you feel like you have a little issue with hearsay, that's normal. But basically speaking, One of the basic tenets of our judicial system is you have a right to confront witnesses and confront your accusers, right? Everybody's heard of that. So what this means is if, and I can't remember if you're, was it Lenny then Larry or Larry then Lenny? I'm Lenny now. Okay. So (laughs) let's say that Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example to give. Let's say that Lenny is out front and there's a drive by shooting that Lenny sees. And for some reason, Lenny is gone when the cops show up, but he told his neighbor, Larry, that the car that drove by at the time of the shooting was yellow. So Lenny tells Larry, the car was yellow. Larry then tells the officer, the car was yellow. The statement made from Larry to Lenny and Lenny to the cop, those are both hearsay. They're out of court statements made regarding the truth, i.e. what color that vehicle was. So if you as an officer are going to come testify in court, um, really the strictest way to do it is you have to bring in the witness who saw the color of the car. The officer can't just say, oh, the witness told me the car was yellow. So that's why to prove that point. I'm trying to make it not as convoluted, but I don't know if that came across well.
0: No, I, I think that makes sense. And it, it is confusing. And I think I know when I first was testifying in court, I didn't really understand it a lot. And I would get done testifying and be like, boy, they didn't ask me a lot of stuff. Hindsight being 2020, they can ask you about what you did and what you observed and, and like kind of a baseline of what you learned. But ultimately, it has to come from the witness. So that's why a lot of these times where cases go away, because you have an uncooperative witness.
2: Right? Yeah. And that's, so here's the hard part. So a lot of times, the common exception, and those of you who have testified a lot will have probably heard this in court. When I say it's an out-of-court statement being offered for the truth, the common end around by a lot of district attorneys with police officer testimony is to say Judge, we're not offering it for the truth. We're offering it for the effect on the listener, i.e. why the police officer did what he did next in the investigation. So here's an example. If a neighbor tells a cop, hey, suspect just ran into my backyard. He's wearing blue pants, right? Um, If the officer testifies, I arrived on scene. The witness told me, ran into the backyard wearing blue pants. Objection hearsay your honor, we're not offering it for the truth of the matter asserted, i.e. to prove he was wearing blue pants. We're just offering it to show the effect it had on the listener and why the officer did what he did next, because then the officer is going to testify. Well, based on that, I ran into the backyard, yada, yada, yada. That's how they'll get around it a lot. But other than that, I mean, hearsay alone is days in law school going over the various exceptions. There's dying declarations there's specific foundational requirements you get into past recollections recorded government self-authenticating documents it gets really messy and stupid but basically it just means that you can't testify to what somebody else told you is that's probably the simplest simplest way to put it and just to
0: put it out there what i heard in one of these podcasts was there was a an accusation that the guy shot by Darby which to go back a little bit more it was a, a suicidal party kind of thing the guy shot by Darby was like a white supremacist or something like that and hated cops and so the defense tried to bring in a witness like a neighbor that said oh yeah this guy had told me you know a, you know last month or a couple months ago before he died that he hated cops and had a plan for him but then the judge you know they there was objections. And then that witness went away. And so that was one of the things brought up in this podcast was well, why, you know, we're not getting a fair trial because this guy went away and I listened to this and I'm like, it's fucking hearsay. That's why it went away. There's no way to, to corroborate that. Right.
2: Yeah. So there's a few problems. One, it is hearsay. Two, it's not relevant to any determination in the case. Right. So in that case, and I'm not going to get too in the weeds on it either. Um, it's the suicidal party, my understanding from viewing the uh, body cam footage was that suicidal party was sitting on the couch with a gun pointed at his own head. Am I correct there? Yep. So the only way that that testimony even arguably would have been relevant is if somehow it was a call like for instance the one that we all saw where that guy was standing at the front door saying there was a female inside that couldn't breathe couldn't breathe and was trying to lure the cops in to attack them and he shot at him in that situation in an ambush type scenario potentially that information could be relevant um but in a case like this where it just factually it, it has nothing to do with anything if that makes sense
0: yeah and that's we all hate a good white supremacist, right? Like, I hate Illinois Nazis like the, the next guy, but that it's not relevant to that case as much as we'd want it to be.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only determinations you're ever making in a criminal proceeding are based on what happened that day. So there's an entire rule of evidence that says you can't bring in prior bad acts without them having a specific legal relevance to the cause of action. So it's the, What I will lovingly refer to as the wet bandits problem, right, from Home Alone, which is an amazing movie. So at the end, when they catch the wet bandits and they say, thank you for leaving the faucet on in every house you hit because now we can tie all these burglaries to you, that is one of the exceptions to prior bad act evidence is – MO or modus operandi, which goes to identity, right? So there are exceptions where you can get that in if somebody does something unique or things of that nature, but it gets really convoluted. But what I can tell everybody listening is any prior acts, it's the same reason why. The only reason you're in court is to determine whether or not the suspect or defendant committed a crime beyond a reasonable doubt on the date of the offense and that the offense was committed by them. So that's why if you go into court and you've been to the same house on 500 calls before, you're not allowed to mention any of that on the stand because the only thing that's relevant is whether or not they committed the crime on the day they were charged for committing a crime. You can't bring all that prior stuff in to say, the legal phrase is you can't bring in prior bad acts to show that somebody acted in conformity therewith. You have to have an entire hearing to determine whether it's relevant and specifically what it's relevant to. So in that particular case, when they were talking about the evidence the judge left out, I just sat there and thought 99% of all judges anywhere in the United States would have left the same evidence out. People don't like it, but that's the way the law works. And those calls, I'd be the first one to say if something was iffy those those calls were standard what i would see in court
0: another thing that that came out of that little bit is i guess uh and real quick darby's wife i have to give her credit like she's fucking ride or die and she's standing behind her dude and i like 100 percent appreciate that i just wanted to throw that out there so another issue that kind of came up with that is is when that when things were being discussed you know they would cut the uh the footage into the courtroom. Cause I guess this was during COVID and I just wanted to say whenever there was an issue and there was an objection, even when I was in court and I was on the stand within five feet of what was going on, they play fucking background. They play noise. They play white noise. So you can't hear to the discussion. I couldn't hear anything that was being said. And I, I just want people to realize like that's a normal thing in court. Am I wrong?
2: No, that's absolutely correct. And so the, the issue is courts are public, right? So unless it's a juvenile or other weird things of that nature, generally speaking, you have a right to a public trial, which means that people can go in, people can sit in the gallery and watch. Lots of steps were taken during COVID to do that via video. But you are absolutely correct. In every case that I've ever tried, criminal or civil, anytime that's why judges say can counsel approach the bench the reason why is we're about to discuss something that if the jury hears what we're talking about that could result in an immediate mistrial where you have to start over again it is not something that's taken lightly at all so every time we approach the bench the courts turn on their little white noise machine now i have been a part of bench conferences too where i'm like judge They can hear what we're saying during the white noise machine. At that point, a lot of times when you see a judge send the jury out, it means we're going to have to have more of a discussion. I'm not entirely sure that this is blocking all the sound. We're going to send the jury out into the jury waiting room just to be extra careful. And we're going to have a full discussion in court. Um, Those happen a lot, but the reason why you're careful and why those feeds get cut is because you don't want any contamination whatsoever. And usually what you're discussing is something that could have a big impact on whether or not the trial can even go forward. So if this helps cops understand, I had a particularly nasty murder case one time where we literally had four eight-hour days of motions hearings ahead of trial, just discussing what was going to come in, what wasn't going to come in, and what could or could not be said during trial. Some of those rulings get delayed to where during the trial, you say, Your Honor, may we approach because you've had days of hearings before where you agreed that if this topic was going to come up, you were going to approach before you got into it. So there's a million reasons to do that. And it's not it's not because you're hiding something or trying to be shady. It's you're trying to protect the process and make sure it's fair. And that something does not get to the jury that they should not hear.
0: That's what you're doing. I I hope that, you know, between the terrible jokes I make, there's some bit of education on this podcast and that's what I'm aiming for here. So I just, I want people to understand this shit because I don't know everything. And to be honest, now that I can abuse your friendship, if I ever come across something, I'm like, Hey Silent Bob aka Saul. I I don't understand this. Can you help me out with this? So I I know not all of us have fancy dancy lawyer friends that aren't pieces of shit. I'll take advantage of that for you guys and try and get that information for you. So that's hopefully that that's helpful. That yeah, and all
2: week. I'll say is I I completely agree that in that case Darby's wife sticking up for her husband, kudos to her. That's what you should do. I and I'm not I wasn't there. I also am not second-guessing anyone. But what I will encourage everyone out there to do before we move on from that topic is every single call that I ever go on, once we're done, if it gets hairy or weird, my first question to my homies on the team is, what could I have done better? Did I do anything wrong? Is there something you notice that could be corrected? because I want to be more critical of myself than anybody else's. And I want to take steps to improve. And I think we all have to be honest with each other that we don't do things perfectly every time because they're very difficult evolving situations. And if you nailed it every time, that would be insane, but I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah. I just don't lie to each other too. Like I I get, There's always a a way to approach things, and I actually had a situation not police wise but with my kids the other day where I told my kid straight up like the truth about something that was probably not they probably didn't want to hear it, but sometimes it needs to be said, and you're not doing your buddies any favor if you're just like, oh no, dude, you're fine because they're going to continue the bad behavior. Um, and I kind of look back at my career and I'm like, god, there's one guy in particular I think of where I'm like, I wish I would have just said something to this dude because was he the worst cop I ever met? No, he wasn't. But if he just would have, like, done things a little bit differently, his career would have <laughs> turned out a lot better. Do your buddies a favor. And here's the other thing is constructive criticism is a good thing. Maybe your buddy tells you something you don't agree with. That's fine. But if you're someone's telling you something, at least take it into
2: consideration. Right? Yeah, um, and and – when you relay that information, you don't have to be a know-it-all asshole. You can make suggestions in a proper way that don't come across like you trying to one-up somebody or be the you know, the tactical expert, but it could be a legit point that you just need to discuss. And you should be at a place with your team where you can all sit there after and debrief and go through that stuff and hey we fucked up a perimeter on this we should align this up better next time let's do this that's how you learn so just take your boo-boo bunny feelings take some criticism learn from it and shut up
0: yeah i frequently in <laughs> i don't want to make this about me but you know i'll ask people hey what are you guys think in the podcast or whatever and and honestly like a lot of it is is pod- positive stuff but Occasionally, somebody will come in and be like, "Dude, I, I think your podcast sucks, sucks dick." And this is why I don't mind hearing that because it's good to get the outside perspective. I, I, I think you know it doesn't suck dick. It like it doesn't suck a big dick, just a little dick. But I know there's things I can improve on, and I like hearing the good and the bad. But as a as an adult and as a human being, you have to realize that. Like I know, like I even today I did shit. Um, even with my wife, I'm like I could have handled that better it's okay it's called self-improvement you all can do it so don't don't be afraid of the criticism all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast i want to talk to you about my buddy brad williams over at police fit you guys see him on the page every single monday on poorly made police memes brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry 17 years in the military and is also a first responder He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. We'll talk more court stuff, but uh, this is a call-in episode, and we have a young man that needs our help. Are you ready to help him? I love help. Let's do it. He's connecting. He's connecting.
2: This is really distracting because I'm watching the end dance scene of 40 year old virgin while this is happening.
0: I've been watching a lot of the office lately, buddy, a lot of Steve Carell.
2: I love the office. As soon as he leaves though, I really got us. Andy is like the worst character on the, I can't deal with him.
0: Andy got like a little better at, I thought as time went on, Andy got better, but I'm only in like season three right now. I literally haven't watched the office in like probably a decade. I'm not a very good millennial. So uh, I, I'm trying to watch it again to see where I'm at.
2: Yeah, it's gold until Steve Carell leaves and then they flounder.
0: Okay, so the first time through, and hopefully this guy connects at some point, I'm going to end up probably leaving all this in because it's kind of interesting. But the first time I watched it with my wife like a decade ago, I got to be honest, like the, Michael Scott kind of reminded me of Peggy Hill from king of the hill and i couldn't watch king of the hill because peggy hill drove me nuts where now the second time around i appreciate michael scott a whole lot more
2: so mike that's hilarious that you brought that up because my homie from blue falcon court is like trying to push me to watch king of the hill i've never seen it and he's like bro you will love this show i'm dying and he keeps trying to get me to watch it and i need to
0: king of the hill is really good i haven't that's one of those shows I haven't watched in a long time. Maybe, maybe I need to go through and rewatch The King of the Hill. Oh, oh, I think he's here. Doctor Strange, are you here?
3: Yeah. And now the worst part is I have to hear my voice on a recording, and it's going to absolutely horrible.
0: Uh welcome to my fucking life, man. But hey, dude, you're Doctor Strange. You've been to the fucking multiverse. You fucking calm down right now. Ah, uh,
3: hey man, that's what makes me special on the street.
0: Have you seen that movie yet? The The Multiverse of Madness. Is it good? I have not seen it, so no spoilers.
3: No, the downsides of being a parent, <laughs> you yeah. don't get movies.
0: Dude, I had to watch. I had to wait for Spider-Man to come out before I like to download it on my fucking Amazon before I got to actually watch it because I, I can't take a fucking baby to the movies. But anyway, enough about me. Dr. Strange, you had a question for me and Silent Bob.
3: My question is this. Obviously, we all experience friends, family, what have you. My friend got into an officer-involved shooting. And obviously, you know, I work with him. I know him. I know he's not a bad guy. I know he's good. I know he wouldn't do such things just all willy-nilly-like as the media and the public think. So the me- articles come out. Facebook feed starts rolling, 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 rolling. Monster, racist, evil. Why couldn't they shoot him in the leg? Why couldn't they de-escalate the situation? And like, If people just read the article a little bit, they'd browse and see Officers arrived on scene, made contact, tried to use non lethal. Non lethal didn't work. Then they're left with one other option. I wasn't there. I was working on another side of the city at that point in time, and they had they resorted to lethal. Now, I'm going to assume that this person with the knife that they did have didn't drop the knife and that they didn't stay where they were. And they started advancing on the officers. So it's like, I, I know the way they're going to operate. But the citizens are just thinking, why are they doing this? I'm like, what do, what do you mean why they're doing this? If you think about this logically, he did it because he was in fear for his life, his partners, or another civilian. So with all of this occurring, do I, do I just roll over and let the civvies, let the other people, let the news articles just roll all over us? not say anything just be silent because being silent when you know like it's well, let, me,
0: let me ask you this dr strange think out loud about this what good would it do if you just got on those comments and started roasting these people what would it do would it change their minds at all
3: no no not at all it, it, it's a vicious cycle <laughs> to think about it do you
0: it you just have to realize, and this sucks. I mean, it sucks and it pisses me off because I'll see articles about my old department or art. I mean, even when I worked on the job, I'd see articles about incidents I'd been involved in and where the news articles shit and the comments are shit. Dude, you have to realize most decent people, they're too busy working and being with their family to spend time on whatever news channel commenting. The people that comment are basement dwellers. Eating Hot Pockets, and that's all they do, is they look for, I mean, I bet if you clicked on most of those profiles, it's from, you know, they'll see something on Reddit or whatever, and they'll head over to this news site, because that's what they do. They're fucking insane, crazy people, and that's, they've found, like, their purpose in life is to, no matter what the article is about the police, is blue man bad. And it's probably super frustrating, because it's your your buddy, it's your homeboy, but, dude, there's nothing good that's going to come at I hate to say it, but there's nothing you can do about it. Because if, if you get in there and comment about stuff, you're not going to change your minds. They're just going to make you even madder because they're going to keep commenting. And potentially your department could get mad at you. Silent Bob, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this.
2: Yeah. I mean, here's what I would say. It's, I always call it running in quicksand, right? Like if you get into quicksand, IE social media and trying to stick up for your homie, the more you struggle, the more you're gonna sink and just get engulfed by it. There's no, there's no win there to be had. Um, years ago, I realized that I kept trying to get people to admit they were stupid, and I had to realize one day that they're never gonna one second have an epiphany and go, "Oh, I am an idiot. Thank you for pointing that out. My ways have been completely wrong. I'm stupid." Like, that's just not going to happen. So what I would encourage you to do is, A, and this is where Larry's going to have a big problem, which I keep fucking it up. Sorry. It's all right. It's Um, okay. um, This is where you're going to have an issue with it. That fight needs to come from the brass. That needs to come from the top. They're the ones that need to get out ahead of it. They need to be on camera sticking up for their people. That being said, you for your homie, what I would strongly encourage you to do is just be a good buddy and be there for your friend. See what they need. Take them out for a beer. Um, hang out with them. Because they're going through a lonely, isolated time. I think it's probably safe to say we've all had friends in this exact same position. And all you can do is your job is to be there for your homie. you right. It's just...
3: It's just tough, man.
0: Yeah, dude, it's do tough. yourself a favor, don't look at those news sites. I know it's hard <laughs> not to. And I'm fucking like the worst person at giving advice. I'm a fucking asshole. I would be doing the same shit as you, but dude, don't look at the news sites. Encourage your your buddies that were involved in it not to look at the news sites. There's nothing good that's going to come out of it for you guys. It's just And here's the thing is it's fucking at this point it's clickbait, right? Yeah. <laughs> it you know, they don't care about the fucking actual news. They care about getting fucking clicks so they can make money off of their advertisements. So dude, it sucks. And I I appreciate you being kind of rider. You are being, this is like the fourth time I said, ride or die on this podcast, but you're being ride or die for your buddy, man. Just fucking keep being a good friend, man. That's, that's all you can do at this point.
3: I appreciate y'all taking a slice out of your gloriously poorly made podcast to uh, allow me on for a few moments.
0: Hey, can we lighten the mood really quick, Dr. Strange?
3: Go on. Have you ever pooped your pants?
0: I have. You want to tell people about it?
3: I have no problems with it. But to (laughs) get the wind out of your sails, I wasn't on the force at that time. I was in the military.
0: That's all right, man. It doesn't matter. Pooping your pants is normal, man. If pooping your pants, I'd be Miles Davis. Wait, (laughs) I fucked up that phrase. If pooping your pants is cool, then call me Miles Davis. Anyway... (laughs) Tell us about it, Dr. Strange, your military poop story.
3: Back in 2010, I was attached to a Marine Corps unit, and we were deployed to Afghanistan. And I took care of my Marines, but I wasn't the Marine. If you can guess what I am, I'll give you a prize. So we, were all, we all got VGE, viral gastroenteritis, from eating the food, drinking the water, you know, just being dirty savages out there, living a the hard life just being 24 24, seven, I would try and get them. Hey, wash, wash your hands, take care of yourself, bathe, make sure after you poop, throw the wag bag away, wash your hands. Didn't always follow that course. So we all get sick. Everyone's vomiting. Everyone's pooping their pants. I'm the last one to get it. So I'm sitting in my rack. I don't know. It's like two, three in the morning and I didn't have it like the symptoms yet. So I wasn't vomiting. I wasn't having stomach problems yet. I'm just like, oh man, I got to let one rip. As I let one rip, it's just, you know, like a fire hydrant coming out and I'm wearing silkies. So my silkies proceeded to get soaked. It was not fun. And then I had to race outside, go to the water pump. It was like a, a handheld one, fill it up, fill up a bucket with water and start washing my rack and then proceed to throw my shit laden silkies in the burn pit. It was not fun. It's not funny. It just sucked. It was in my sleep. It was a nightmare come to life.
0: Well, I, I'm sorry that you pooping your pants is a nightmare. I mean, it's never a good time, right? Pooping your pants is never a good time, but it's a good time for people listening to your misery. But, and I, I mean this like not, um, to be detrimental, but I actually do thank you for your service, man, because I, I know old Ben on the podcast gets weird about it, but dude, I, I feel really bad for the guys that they went to Iraq, they went to Afghanistan, they came back to became cops. And they're fucking getting shit on again. So, dude, seriously, man, thanks for being a good dude and taking care of this country.
3: I do have one last thing to say to add to that story. So that entire week we still had to patrol. So me being the corpsman, I had to go on patrol with the Marines because whenever they left the wire, they needed the medical support. So I left the wire and my sergeant's like, you're going to make it, Doc? And I'm like, I think I'll be all right. We get about a mile and a half out. I'm like, yo, sergeant, we got to roll back, man. I'm, I'm going to die. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I can't hold shit down. I'm vomiting. So get back to the wire, download my weapons. And as I'm downloading my downloading, show me clear, clear my rifle. I'm literally snapping my, my plate carrier and everything's just falling off me. I'm running to our little thing. We have a a piece of plywood cut out. We just throw a piece of plastic bag called a wag bag in there. And I start fucking like vomiting into it, shitting into it. And then all my Marines are laughing at them. Like, Oh, oh, Doc's vomiting. So I kick open the door and our door faces the area where we eat, but not like, you know, directly. It's like 30 feet away. And they're all laughing at me and giggling. They're like, oh, Doc, sick. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Ah. And I proceed to start vomiting like a fire hydrant. And all the Marines are laughing at me except this one. He's like, Doc, Doc, stop. You need to stop. I'm like, what? Ah. And I keep throwing up. He's a th- sympathetic puker. Oh, so no. He...
2: Oh, no. The sympathy.
0: It's like puke the blueberry
2: happening. pies from Stand By Me
3: yes yes precisely so that's that's like the only comical thing i have to say about my uh, my pooping pants and vomiting stories
0: well buddy thanks for your service and like i said man t- just take care of your buddy dude he needs you be a good friend you're being a good friend it sounds like right now so just keep doing your thing man fuck the- fuck all the noise dude
3: you were gonna say fuck the police and i was about to laugh <laughs>
0: <laughs> well fuck the- fuck 12 bro fuck 12
3: very well, thanks, guys. I
2: appreciate it. Yeah, stay safe, buddy. All right, hang in there, man.
0: All right, so his uh, his terrible story reminded me we were going to exchange poop stories. I never told you my poop story, did I?
2: I don't know. That was a pretty legit one. I don't know how how that's a macho poop story.
0: Yeah, mine is not a macho poop story. I I can't really follow it up, but I'll try. Is um, which apparently I should go to the doctor because it seems like every time we talk uh i have to talk about poop on my pants i mean last time we talked on the pot well it wasn't last time but we talked on the podcast christmas time i told you about my christmas poop story which a lot of people liked apparently you may
2: just have ibs bro
0: i got problems man and the yeah (laughs) we could have a whole (laughs) podcast about why i shit my pants but so my boy uh is playing baseball (laughs) and he needs to work on pitching and hitting and everything, baseball stuff. Um, so after a game, I take him out to our field. I'm like, hey, let's go work on some things. And I'm throwing to him, and just all of a sudden, he's like... So I'm like, I go to the bathroom at the field, but it's locked. So I'm like, I got to go home. He's like, what? I was like, I have to go home. I said, pick up all the balls. I'll be back in 15 minutes. And I fucking... Roared with my crown Vic back home, barely made it. And I came back and got him. That's that was my poop story. I was going to exchange.
2: Not nearly as good as his, though. Do, do your kids at least know how to read the signs and be like, oh, dad's just got to go, go let one loose. He'll be back.
0: Rather yeah, they, than
2: I've been abandoned.
0: Well, he's 12 and like we literally live like half a mile, maybe from the ballpark. He's fine. I, dad I'll be shitting honest. again dad
2: shitting again
0: <laughs> dad shitting.
2: <laughs>
0: early early runner for the name of the podcast is um <laughs> <shitting again. laughs> uh, they know they know like they know like when it's it's game time is like hey leave that alone he needs like he's really got to poop
2: you should um, just short circuit and give your kids a code word like you just yell banana and haul ass for the car and they're like oh yep there it goes yeah, well, uh, me and my wife's safe words, banana hammock. It's too long. <laughs> no, it's not. My safe word is no. Stop. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh,
0: that's. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a really good... <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a really good sympathetic peak story. I don't know if I've ever told it in a podcast before. When I was a young man like I don't know eight nine ten I'm pretty sure it was my little brother's birthday party and I th- I'm pretty sure it was little Caesars bunch of kids over and when I, I I think the whole table was kids like maybe seven eight kids and one kid puked up cheese pizza and then all the kids puked cheese pizza including myself including my little brother five of his friends I just remembered my house smelling like vomit and cheese pizza for like a week. I will never forget that smell.
2: I'm laughing because it reminded me of one of the earliest field trips I ever remember going on. God, this may have been second or third grade. And to this day, I still remember it. We, as a class, we all go to the zoo and there's a gorilla in the pen behind the glass. And this gorilla is just sitting there. And this is still burned into my memory. The gorilla is just sitting there. And he would throw up into his hands. Everybody (laughs) listening to this is going to thank me. Um, And if anybody sympathetic vomits from this story, you need to write in because it's going to be hilarious. So this giant-ass gorilla would just throw up into his hands. Then stick his hands up to his mouth. Lap the vomit back into his mouth. About 10 seconds later, he would throw up the vomit that he just ate, and this would cycle and repeat the entire time we're sitting there until the teachers dragged us away. I will never forget that as long as I live, and it still kind of makes me go, but yeah, he just was like like a train wreck. You couldn't move yourself away, right? No, and he was like his own all-you-can-eat buffet. He just kept making the food and eating it. He was like baby birding himself. That's fucking gross. It's by gross, you mean amazing. Speaking of smells,
0: and I don't know where else to fucking work this in, but we're here. When I was 13 or 14 was the first time I remember drinking. And my buddy, his dad or stepdad, his stepdad, it was the stepdad who was away. And me, my buddy, and my our friend, we got drunk and we drank Crown Royal and Sprite. And it was like one of those things where like, we poured water back into like the stuff we drank. So it looked like it was still full, you know? And I don't think I'd actually had crown Royal until the other day. And I tasted it and I was like, I remember that day so many years ago. It's amazing. What like where alcohol will bring you different
2: places. Well, and that association comes right back and you still can't drink it. That's hilarious. I think I sent you. I, I definitely did send you. When I stumbled across that, uh, i'd never had crown um but i found that peach crown and i picked up a couple bottles of it and now my wife loves it she just adds it to stuff for flavor
0: yeah i'm drinking uh just regular crown with uh some cherry pepsi right now which is delicioso and i I mowed the lawn today so i'm fucking hammered already so it's it's not a good combination all sounds awful it's it's actually delicious. It's not awful, and I already polished off this uh, Zigmeister, so I'm I'm in a good way, buddy. A, hold on. This guy has a question about um, what's a Bueller advisement. Have you ever heard of that?
2: Bueller, Bueller
0: guy has a question. Bueller. Bueller, advisement. Why do defenders always attack it when it's solid? I don't know what that is.
2: Do you? I. It must be a state thing because I've never even heard of it. Is he? Shoot, this would be one good for a call because I'd have to know what the heck he's talking about.
0: All right, fuck it, we'll just have him call in.
2: He or she—that
0: was very—I um, don't like that to was very inclusive anybody. of you, buddy. We'll see what they have to say. <laughs> well, so you can't say shim anymore, huh? <laughs> I've never even heard that. You've never heard shim? I have not. It's inclusive. She and it is. Him. It's the, basically the same as they.
2: I just I'm one of those people that I really think everybody just needs to loosen the fuck up. And if you can't take grief, like I will take grief as much as the next person because I dish it out and it's hilarious. So
0: everybody needs to calm the fuck down is basically what this is. Calm the fuck down. It's all in good fun, usually. Or if it's probably, not, or if it's not in good fun who fucking cares
2: i don't know if i told you this but while we're waiting are you trying to get them to call in i am trying yeah okay so while we're waiting i'll tell you a fun story so um a few months ago i got asked to teach a program for a national organization of lawyers that's very liberal um and let's just say three days of teaching five hours a day of folks that I've never been around people who were so wanting to be offended by something just so they could complain about it. I mean, it was palpable, but the fun thing that I did cause I'm me and I think I'm hilarious is I got paid to do that gig and I refused to take it. So what I decided to do, well, I took it, but I used the money to pay for a barbecue for, the team i always go out with so i use my super liberal teaching money to pay for dinner for a bunch of cops
0: i like it all right you ready to take another call
2: we love calls all right welcome to love line bueller oh
0: nice bueller how are you what's up man how can we help you today
4: yeah so uh just a big fan first time caller uh
0: You're like the only
4: caller. Don't fucking get weird. (laughs) All right. So, uh, you're talking to a former defense attorney. Um, God bless him. Uh, I get it. You know, they have a job to do, uh, America and all that jazz, but, uh, are you guys familiar with the advisements?
2: I've never even heard of it.
4: Okay. So when you have someone in custody and you're interrogating them, you do Miranda, right? So yes. in California, we have this thing called behuler. So you, you have them at the station, but you, you have to give them this advisement, like you're free to go. You're not detained. You're not under arrest. Here's the exit. If you want to use a, you know, use restroom, have a bottle of water, like you, you are free to go. So that's a behuler advisement. They're not in custody. You, you make it painfully obvious. You're not under arrest and you're not in custody. And then you get a statement from your guy. But every time I've gone to court with a behuler, they always attack it saying like, oh, he should have been Mirandized, et cetera, et cetera. He's never been handcuffed. He wasn't detained. I told him where the exits were. He is free to go at any time. But every time I do a behuler, when I get to court, they try to attack that and make the statement inadmissible in court.
0: Hey, what's your name, by the way? A fake name. Uh, Use a fake name.
4: Fake name. Uh, call me uh, Winters.
0: Winters. Okay, Summer. Yeah. So, Summer, let me ask you this. When you do yeah. this Bueller advisement, do you normally arrest them afterwards or you do let them walk away?
4: It depends. Uh, I usually let them walk away. But if they incriminate, incriminate themselves to a substantial level, I'll let them walk out of the PD and I'll have the uniforms hook them. Mm,
2: I'll, Bob, I'll let you start. So I'm trying to figure out how to answer this without making California sucks jokes. No offense. Um, Dude, you're cleared hot. Like, I get Okay. (laughs) So you only have to Mirandize people, right, if there's custodial interrogation and custody. Yeah, is whether or not a reasonable person in their position would feel like they were akin to custody or free to leave. So normally the way we would always handle that is if they're not in custody, you don't have to Mirandize them. And the questions that you're discussing – we would just attack that during the phase of dealing with the Fifth Amendment and a motion to suppress the statements and saying, oh, well, they, they were absolutely in custody because of all these factors. The DA would argue that they're not. It just sounds but like- Okay, that's in the California- reason. Oh, yeah, that's
4: the reason for the statement. Like you, you front load it saying, dude, let me explain to you. You are definitely not in custody and you are free to go at any time. You don't have to talk to me. However, if you wish to talk about this incident- I'm willing to listen. So you front load it saying, you know, you're free to go. Here's the exit. Here's the restroom. Like you are free to go. But it doesn't seem to matter that we do that advisement because every
0: single time they, they try to attack it in court. Do you lose it though? Do you lose a statement or they just attack it?
4: I think I've only lost it once out of 10 times, maybe 10, 15 well, that, times. I've only lost just,
0: it once. Then that's just posturing in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it's the it, game. It's fishing. So when you guys do that advisement, is it followed by Miranda or you're doing that advisement to avoid Miranda?
4: We're doing the advisement to avoid Miranda. And also they're not in custody.
2: Uh, No, we're we're just throwing it out there. Yeah. So all they're doing just so you know, big picture, I just wanted to make sure that was my suspicion, but um, the only reason they're attacking that is because if they win on that issue, then you, the flip side is, if you lose on that advisal, then you should have Mirandized and the statement's going to get kept out. Um, okay. And I said this on the one before, when I was a public defender, anytime we had a statement, even if it was the most brilliant Miranda advisement ever given, and it was on video and signed a written waiver, and their mom witnessed it, and an entire church choir backed it up, I still filed a motion to suppress that statement. And yeah, you're fought. doing your job. Yeah. yeah so i i don't overthink it but that's if they don't get past step one on that advisor to get to miranda they have nothing that's just why they're attacking it yeah okay I, Did yeah, you do it don't again? lose I get sleep over that
4: yeah i don't i never hey. do i mean it's the work it's the job you know
0: so summer let me ask you a question have you ever shit your pants yeah yeah. I feel
2: like I have this. You're like, in a
0: thousand today. I know. I feel like I have this like wonderful podcast, and then I ruin it by asking people if they shit their pants. But I oh, no it's real. Summer, it's a real thing. You want to tell everybody about the time you shit your pants? Because we're humanizing. Yeah, sure, it man.
4: It's uh, I got two stories. Um, all right, so I was in the army, and we went to Iraq, and we were off of uh, the Mosul. South of Mosul off of the Tigris River, uh and we ate street meat, right? The the local food.
3: I have street um, and as meat as we're but driving it's a away.
4: Kind of a boy. Uh, as we're driving away, I see this uh like fifteen year old Iraqi boy uh washing the vegetables in the Tigris River. Okay. And if you're south of Mosul, you know that's human soup. Uh there's there's species and bodies and all sorts of bad news in there. And so I knew we were in for a bad trip when I saw them washing the veggies in the river um and then sure enough i had a whole squad go down with giardia uh and uh later that night i was going out both ends i was puking and pooping at the same time my platoon sergeant actually came out of his chew his combat housing unit we were next to each other and so i was going out both ends and he came out with his gun drawn He's like Fuck, lieutenant i almost killed you because uh, he didn't know who i was but yeah no giardia was a real thing hit my whole squad and uh it it, it pretty heavy shark basically is what it was
0: you know that's not nearly as fun as like some fat guy that can't make his way to the bathroom because he ate too many hot dogs um <laughs> you know you're out there fucking fighting for us and you get sick is is the next story a little bit
2: is it funner
4: uh, i would no, just like to say that because I, uh, do...
2: is amazing as a term
4: yeah i do yeah, like no, human the, the Tigris river was human soup it was it was all bad um and the second time was uh, i had togos for lunch uh i'm a i'm a big ham sandwich kind of guy and uh had the bubble guts and uh was going back to work from lunch and i thought i would uh you know but a quick squeak out and nope it was it was all wet it was all
0: bad you know what's bullshit is like a thousand times out of a thousand you can just rip something and it's not a big deal, but it's like that. Exactly. You know, 1,001 is the one that's just a little bit extra and ends up being a bad time. Amen. Well, buddy, yeah, the real thing. thanks for calling in and thank you for your service.
4: Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for your service, sir.
0: I don't do shit, but you stay safe out there, buddy.
4: Yeah. And even thank the uh, public defender for his service. I know it's well, a job he, to play. He so. can
0: hear you. Well, he used to be a public oh. defender. He's reformed now, but he can hear you. So you but can Give California
4: yourself. a big hug for us. Yeah, maybe not.
0: A uh, big inclusive hug for us.
4: Uh yeah, uh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. enough. Well, all right, boys. Yeah, be safe out there, pal. All right, yeah. Later. Bye. Now, buddy, I wanted to talk a little bit about Miranda. Um, I don't know if we talked about it a whole lot on our first podcast because apparently I can't remember it and it was four hours long. I was taught, and so I'm of the opinion, once you have PC, you should probably hook them and then do Miranda and then continue your questioning. Am I off base with that?
2: So I definitely think that's the the safest way to go by far. I and it would be curious to have an investigator for this conversation because I know I've talked to some older detectives who have different theories on Miranda and they try to get really cute with it and thread the needle. I think after arguing thousands of suppression motions, it's better to err on the side of Mirandizing somebody than it is to try to do something cute and avoid it. I mean, once you have PC, yeah. And you're, you're going to arrest them. Why? I'm a big fan of taking things that could be a big deal and eliminating them from the beginning. Why, why make Miranda an issue if it doesn't need to be. So, And this is where I'm curious. So in all the times that I'm guessing you Mirandize people once or twice. Do you agree? A few times. Yes. Yeah. In your gut. Every time I've mirandized somebody, I knew if they were going to talk or not before I even mirandized them. Like people are either going to talk or they're not going to talk. I humbly in my experience, I haven't seen to where they went, oh, you mirandize me maybe i should shut up now but that's maybe just
0: a, like one or two but for the most part i i agree with with where you're coming from is you you knew if somebody was going to talk to you or not for sure
2: not always yeah and, you, yeah and you could vary your tone for how you mirandize somebody i mean you still have to go through the required statement but i mean you can do it a little softer um You know, like, hey, man, I really want to talk to you, but I got to get this out of the way first. Uh, There's lots of little subtle tricks that I've talked to some detectives about how they do that to make it not as confrontational or as formal. And I think that's the problem that a lot of. A lot of younger cops that I see snap right into that, I have to give Miranda, I must give it like a robot, I must read from the card in robotic voice and sound very stern and that can cause an issue, but I'm a huge fan of, A, people have rights, right? We shouldn't be in the business of violating people's rights. But B, I've handled some horrific cases where I would have liked nothing more than my client to shut up after getting Mirandized, and they sang like a bird after. It's the same reason why, hey, man, can I search your car? Yelp. Well, dude, you had drugs in your car, and you knew you had drugs. Why'd you let them search? Because I'm dumb. I mean gen- I mean generally speaking, if people are gonna wave and talk, they're gonna wave and talk. Yeah, and here's an example where guys would be like, You don't need a brandise, and maybe they were
0: right, but frequently uh, the city I worked in had quite a few stolen cars. And if they stopped, you know, because if you don't stop, you can just run because you know, be a criminal. Nobody can who chase gives a you, shit? yeah. No gives a shit. But if they stopped because it was a stolen car usually the way that we dealt with that was a high-risk stop and you know we prone everybody out point guns at them all that good stuff now you could articulate uh, and then you need to handcuff them you could articulate well you know they're not really in custody but it's an officer safety type thing but the way I always looked at that was if anything came of that I'm going to lose that in a suppression because no one's going to reasonably think that they're free to leave at that point so I would always get. I just got in the habit of if somebody's in handcuffs in the back of my car, even if they're not technically under arrest, I'm just going to Mirandaize
2: them. One hundred
0: thousand that, percent. But that to me, that's just you're asking for it. You're really asking to lose shit. Now, maybe you do have that guy that's not going to talk, or maybe you put that that light bulb. But
2: that's just to me, that was the right way to look at it if if you have somebody let me let me try to make it easier for folks generally speaking the the definition of whether or not somebody's in custody is whether or not a reasonable person in similar circumstances would feel free to leave or some verbiage close to that right does that sound familiar yeah yeah if cops have you gun pointed and are giving you specific orders, you're not free to leave. If you're in handcuffs, you're really not free to leave. And if you're gun pointed in handcuffs in the back of a patrol car, you're super duper extra not free to leave. Um, I would teach people to Mirandize every single time that was even remotely that close of an issue. I think the much closer issue is if you just kind of have, you know, you stop somebody, turns out the driver has warrants and you've got a chatty Kathy in the passenger seat who's kind of talking themselves into probable cause, you know, that's more of an evolving situation. But I know a lot of agencies teach when you do high risk stops that when you're giving your first verbals, you're telling people that they're under arrest when you're pulling them out of the car. I don't know if your agency did that, but I know several do.
0: No, ours didn't. And and to be specific about that situation is a lot of times in these stolen cars, your PC evaporates very quickly because you know the keys with it, or they said, Hey, I borrowed it from somebody or or whatever. It's and I know different states are different ways. So just in my specific situation, it was actually kind of tough sometimes to to be able to put that stolen car. Like you have to be able to show they knew that car was stolen because, you know, a lot of times, you know, it was the uh, ride for a rock or a crack rental or whatever. And it was tough to prove that they actually knew the car was hot. And so you didn't have PC. So you could Mirandize these folks and then you end up cutting them loose because you don't have anything or you Mirandize them. They don't say shit and you go through everything. You're like, I don't have enough. I can write it up and say they were in the car, but I don't feel comfortable charging them. It, that's kind of a reader's digest to it. So my agency, they didn't say just, you know, tell them they're under arrest because maybe they're not, maybe they're going to get let go. And I, I want to segue into one of the, the questions we got from the internet machine, because this kid kind of had a question about maybe a lack of understanding well, we do a traffic stop. They're not technically free to leave. Why aren't we Mirandizing people on a traffic stop? Cause you ask how fast were you going technically they're not free to leave and i guess where i would go back to all of that i want people to just understand you need to understand in your specific state the statute that allows you to stop cars and everything that goes with it and i hope that would help you understand all of that silent bob Saul, could you explain smarter than i could to the millions of people why don't you have to Mirandaize people on a traffic stop
2: so in, this is where the fun uh, constitutionalists like to go berserk with this. Like if you pull them over and they go, am I in custody? No, you're not. Well, am I free to leave? No, you're not. You're being detained. You're not in custody. And there's a difference between detention and custody. But just like reasonable suspicion, I'll try to explain it this way. Just like reasonable suspicion is on a scale to where you can pivot or transition into probable cause from reasonable suspicion really quickly. Same thing happens from detention to custody, right? So if you contact a vehicle for speeding, you're asking your standard questions um, and they're there for a reasonable amount of time while you run their information, make sure that you know they have insurance, all that fun stuff. That's just a detention, it's not custody. They're free to tell you they don't wanna answer your questions, right? I mean, within they have to have because they're driving and don't even get me started on the I'm a traveler. I don't need permission to drive nonsense. I'm talking about just general run of the mill stuff. Okay, right. Um, Yeah, they have to answer those basic questions while you run them. As long as you have them detained (laughs) for a reasonable period of time, you're fine where it would transition into custody and there's no real number or time limit to doing it. i heard people throw out a lot 20 minutes. If you're on a 20 minute traffic stop, shit went sideways in some other way. But um if you're on a regular traffic stop, they're just detained, you do not have to mirandize them. If it converts into being a custodial situation, meaning you see drugs in the car, you develop probable cause that way or it's a DUI and you do your road sides and everything else, and then you get probable cause and take them into custody. That's when it just transitioned from being a traditional traffic stop to where you're obviously going to have to Mirandize. So it's just, people don't understand the distinction. Hopefully that analogy kind of the reasonable suspicion of probable cause helps a little bit. Um, But it's one of those things that I think a lot of people, underthink and cops overthink because if you really think about it yeah you're not free to leave but it's not you're not being um you're not in custody yeah it it
0: comes back to that reasonable suspicion start part part of it and you know how many of us have been on a call where you get everybody and you have them you know regardless from a traffic stop or you know you're just contacting people in the street and you get to a point where I'm not safe. I have a reason to articulate a safety thing. Hey, I'm going to have all that you can control people's movements without them being in custody. Hey guys, sit on the curb, cross your legs. There may be a point across your feet. There may be a point where that yeah. turns into an issue of, all right, now I'm kind of starting to get somewhere. Maybe I need to Mirandize them or hell maybe again, maybe this is such a safety issue. I'm going to cuff them. I'm going to just Mirandize them because that's a safer way to go about things. It, to me, it's frustrating sometimes, but you have to, like, that kind of comes back to, like, knowing your limitations and when and when you cannot Mirandize people. And I, I think it kind of sometimes sometimes comes down to a state where there are states where Pennsylvania versus MIMS, that doesn't exist. You have to realize that. Like, for a lot of us, like, we can have anybody get out of a car for any reason. There are states, like, I cannot think of the state. But every time I, I post a meme, Penn versus MIMS, or Mims versus Pims or whatever, or Pims versus These, I'm drunk, Pennsylvania versus Mims. There we go. Anytime I post that, somebody says, oh, well, in my state, we can't do that. The onus is on you to figure that shit out. I want to ask you this because I, I'm curious what you thought or what your thoughts are on this, because I was always on the fence with this. And this works because you're in Colorado and I was in Colorado as a cop shoplifter. The store detains them. The store puts them in handcuffs or the store stops them. I generally would not Mirandize them because in my opinion, the store is the one that has them in custody. I don't have them in custody. I'm figuring out what happens. I'm getting a statement from them. I'm getting a statement from the store to determine if there's probable cause. I know some people would
2: Mirandize them. I didn't feel it was necessary. What are your thoughts? So that's kind of a funny one because it depends on where you're at. Normally, when we go contact people on shoplifts, they're not in custody. They're just sitting. I mean, they're not handcuffed. They're just sitting in the, the security office. Um, but it's it doesn't matter. Handcuffs are an easy one. I think just very generically speaking, if somebody's in handcuffs, even if they're not your handcuffs, once you introduce state action being your shiny badge, You have to look at the totality of the circumstances because that's how the court's going to look at it. So if you have a suspect who is handcuffed sitting on a bench, you go into the little security office, the door closes, and you're in a tiny room in full uniform kind of standing between them and the door, it's going to be pretty hard to argue that they're not in custody, right?
0: Um, I, I know you're the lawyer and went through a lot more school than me but I, I disagree with that because the cop didn't actually put the guy in, in handcuffs. The cop had nothing
2: to do with that. I'm just telling you that's what the DA is going to argue, but that's not one that's going to break. All I'm trying to do is let everybody know that every single one of those factors is something that's going to get brought up by the defense attorney. And depending on which way the wind is blowing with the particular judge, that one could break either way is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, I've lost plenty of motions where I thought I was legally and factually sound to win it. And I've had them go the other way where I've won. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? That's where it just comes down to a, a balancing test, right? So I'm just always, here's what I would caution everybody to do. The second you walk in a room, start having that thought. I remember being in the academy and it was the same scenario, right? It was a shoplifter and we were running a a scenario. And this is where I think you and I might be aligned, walk in start asking the shoplifter questions through the scenario we get done we hook the shoplifter and take them and the sergeant who's now way high up that was running the scenario said you know deputy silent bob why did you not mirandize him and i looked at him and said i didn't have to and he said what do you mean and i said He wasn't in custody. I made sure I left the door open. I wasn't standing between him and the door. I can articulate that under the totality of the circumstances, he was not in custody. Therefore, I didn't have to Mirandize. And the sergeant went, fair enough. But you just have to be able to articulate it. So any situation I run into, it's second nature that I'm automatically running that calculus in my head as I'm coming into the scene. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. So sometimes I think you have to do it depending on the situation. Sometimes you don't. If we have like five cops in the room for whatever weird reason, um, I'm at that point going, there's no way this guy's going to feel like he's not in custody. I'm going to lose that argument in court nine times out of 10. In that situation, I would just Mirandize. But here's the other flip side in the next level of analysis. Let's say that you don't Mirandize him and he says, yes, I stole all that shit. You have him on camera going past the point of sale, contacted by security, the items are found on him, never made an attempt to pay for it, and you've got him going out of the store. If the statements get suppressed, who gives a shit?
0: That is true. That is right.
2: excellent point. You still have all the other evidence. So that's why sometimes, and I don't want to sound like a douchebag when I say this, but that's where I'm saying the next level of the analysis that you got to be thinking about And I have the luxury of I kind of wish every cop could argue a bunch of suppression motions before becoming a cop because I can sit there on the street and go, oh, well, yeah, but if I lose the statement, who cares? Because I have D, E, F, G, and H, I'm fine. But I can do that analysis pretty quick and understand I have it. So I think sometimes people get caught up. And this happens to lawyers too, right? I remember arguing a suppression motion as a baby lawyer and the judge looked at me um, and goes, okay, let's say I grant your motion to suppress statements. What exactly am I suppressing? And I said, judge, I don't understand what you're asking. He said, tell me what actual piece of evidence, if I grant your motion to suppress statements, what piece of evidence am I suppressing? And I said, "Um, I can't think of any. And the judge looked at me and went, right. Right that <laughs> was That's like awesome. <laughs> Touche, you got me there, right? But it was a learning moment because young lawyers do the same thing. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things that you just there's not always a bright line in law enforcement, obviously. And sometimes you just gotta understand that you're in a gray area. Here's what I always tell young lawyers, and I would say the same thing to cops. If you can articulate what you're doing. There are times where you're just going to have to make a judgment call. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. But if you can justify and provide an analysis for why you did it, cool. If you just do something because A, you don't know any better or B, you lose your cool, that's not okay. But if you do an analysis and you just end up coming out on the wrong side, that's, that's experience and that's learning.
0: Speaking of learning, do you want to help a young rookie out? We love rookies. We do. Except for lap dances. No lap
2: dances. Sorry. Too soon. Well,
0: some of us like it.
2: Fair. And sorry, that was super babbly. No, you're always super babbly. I really am.
0: Alex, Hello. are you with us? Uh, yeah. What's up, man? How can we help you?
1: Um, Toyota-san. <laughs> um, So I'm uh, about a month out from going to the academy um, and just like seeing a lot of I don't know, just like your posts and talking with some other people who are going through the hiring process. There's a lot of cringe out there. Um, and I'm just wondering kind of like what I can do to not be like a dumbass rookie. Uh, when I start, uh, you know, getting
0: on the road. I have one simple piece of advice and it's to be humble and to realize you don't know everything. My, my biggest bitch for the rookies and don't get me wrong. There might be a rookie that's out there. That's smarter. That may know some shit. That's fine. But for my humble opinion, there was a lot of guys that went through the Academy and went through FTO that weren't, I guess that just felt like they earned everything already. And I, to me, and maybe this is old school way of thinking, like you still need to prove yourself as a cop. And I, I just hate the entitlement sometimes of some of the new guys and new gals. Well, anything
2: to add to that? I would just say, observe more and talk less. So, when I started doing cop stuff, granted it's only in a reserve role, but I had been a trial attorney and tried very serious cases. I was like 15 years into my lawyer career. I'd never brought that up because I was new to being a cop and doubly new to being a cop on patrol. So, I would sit back, I would watch what worked, what didn't work. I would ask follow up questions, I would always ask if there was something I could do better. I think I've seen, because a lot of my friends are, are FTIs.
0: Do you just call them Young? FTIs?
2: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what do you call them? FTO is not a coach. Oh, fucking whatever. So, <laughs> shit I don't care about. But what they bitch about a lot is, if somebody is willing to accept criticism and wants to learn, you're way ahead of the game. It's the people okay, that cool. have an issue with either one of those that get sideways real fast. And I don't know if you agree with that Lenny. Yeah, I,
0: I agree with that. I mean, my biggest issue with rookies for the most part is when you would try to help them with something, they would say, no, I know better. And they wouldn't even listen to you. They may make their own decision. That's fine. But at least listen to what the guys and gals that have already been through it, or maybe have been to this call before have experienced to save you from getting hurt potentially, whether that's physically, mentally, or even getting your ass handed to you in court.
1: Gotcha. So no, that's like, um, definitely something I've been like kind of thinking about It's just like, just courts, um, like in the future, just like, I don't know, like I'm a more, I want to say like ex, uh, what is it? Like outgoing person. Um, so just like, I don't know, that's like going to be a whole learning process of just being on stand and stuff. Well, and dude, that's, that's something that you just have to go through. I, I don't know if
0: your academy is going to teach it or not. I, we kind of got screwed in the academy. I was going to bring this up in the podcast later, but we had a four hour block in courtroom. So four hours out of the whole six month academy was courtroom. And we went to the courthouse and there was like a delay on the trainer getting there and not everyone got to participate. And I left thinking, okay, so what the fuck just happened? That, to me, that's problematic. You're not, especially for a longer academy. Like, we had time where we could yeah. learn some of this shit. It would have been helpful. So, depending on how long your academy is, maybe you don't get that. But, dude, I mean, it's kind of, you'll learn some of that shit in court. But you can do independent research. You can go to outside training. Like, just pay attention, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, cool. Before you go to the academy, have you ever shit your pants?
1: Um, not. I don't mean, like, I think, the last time was, like, when I was like fourteen probably. So like not like recently.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess it still kind of counts, but that, that brings down my percentage down to uh sixty six
2: six six, right? Is that good math, Bob? Yeah, I think you're spot on with your I... hail satan analysis. Hail Satan. Uh I
0: can live with that. Well, hey buddy, you uh just be safe, man. Pay attention to the academy and uh, you'll be all right, dude.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate right. it. No problem, dude.
0: Good luck. Um, Thanks. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Well, this young Padawan's call is a perfect place to segue to the end of this podcast. Now you may be thinking, man, I didn't get enough, Bob. You didn't. But the good news is instead of doing a four hour monstrosity of one podcast, we're going to do part two. So tune in in a couple days and you will hear part two of this fantastic podcast which I don't know what's going to happen. I know we have a bunch of stuff we wanted to talk about. We might get more calls. We might talk about pooping our pants. I don't know. But you guys all know what to do. Take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Make sure you're checking those guys out. Buy some fine merch. And of course, steal your mom's credit card and be a monthly donor to the podcast and give me a little bit of change to keep the lights on down here in the dungeon. With that said, remember, part two is in a few days. And I love most of you. Bye-bye. And now I'm gonna go take a piss.